0: Over the last 14 years, I think, unless I've spoken about this particular part of the Torah at least a, double, maybe a dozen, maybe more times, and in the shul itself. A number of years ago, on Yom Kippur, I spoke about a mysterious part of the Torah that I want to talk about again tonight. It's part of the Torah that every single year we come to it, and I, I can't believe that more people haven't noticed it, or don't talk about it all the time. And when I look into the commentaries, it's, it's really perplexing. It bothers people, but they're really not really sure what to make of it. And so I want to make something of it with you tonight, in the next 10 or 12 minutes. The part of the Torah that I'd like to talk about is, of course, my obsession with what Rabbi Rivera wrote about tonight, about the beams of light that seem to have come out of Moses' face at the end of this week's Torah portion. In chapter 34 of the book of Exodus, we're told that when Moshe comes down from the mountain, and Moshe didn't know that his face was illuminate with rays of light. Not only is it odd that the Torah begins telling us about a phenomenon by telling us with its first introduction that Moses didn't know something about it. Instead of introducing and saying, there's this thing called rays of light, and you know that thing? Moshe didn't know he had it. But the very first moment the Torah introduces the notion that a person's face can be illuminate with light is a negation. (laughs) Let's put that to the side for a moment. But just the notion that at the end of this week's Torah reading, we're introduced out of nowhere, as if, didn't you know that this happens all the time? People come down from mountains where they were talking to God, and then they happen to be illuminate with rays of light. And the Torah goes at length into describing the complexity of being such an individual. Moshe now has light emitted from his face. It scares people. He has to put a mask on. We're introduced to the notion of a masveh. He wears a mask when the people are Uh, It seems when they're speaking to him, that's also not clear. Does he take it off when he speaks to the people, puts it on when he's out in the camp? All of a sudden, at the end of tomorrow morning's reading, and I'll talk about why it's so weird, we're introduced to the complexity of being um, too illuminate, having too much light in your face. And on top of that, the Torah seems to tell us that Moshe was up on the mountain at least twice preceding this moment and in the previous two times Moshe comes down from the mountain, he has no such facial problem. He doesn't have that. Something about this third and final time that Moses is on the mountain, and what he brings down seems to be important in understanding the nature of this light and this phenomena that the Torah is speaking to and what it might mean for us. Of course, it comes at the end of a very, very painful and powerful Torah portion. Parshat Ki Sa, which we'll be reading tomorrow, tomorrow we'll be reading for us, is essentially the centerpiece of a story about heights and depths, about Icarus falling, as it were, with his wings tinged by the sun. It is the story of a people who have been to the mountaintop, who have been experienced the divine, who have seen and experienced the sublimity of divine revelation. And then there is the building of the Mishkan, the tabernacle. Things are going great. And Parsha Kitisa brings us into trauma and drama, into pain and breaking. It comes at the center of the five portions in the book of Exodus that deal with the building of the Mishkan, and we're told that the building of the tabernacle, or the portable Mishkan, the portable sanctuary in the desert, is likened to the creation of the world. And if the centerpiece of the creation of the world has a golden calf and its aftermath in it, then it tells you something about ontogeny, about being itself, that to be is to be someone or humans who scale heights and then know the pain of falling from them. To be a human being is to know transcendence and sublimity and also to know degradation, remorse, regret, mistake, and its aftermath. Parshat tomorrow morning's reading, will bring us into the heart of that trauma, the golden calf and the building of the golden calf, and then in its aftermath, Moses breaks tablets the first time he comes down from the mountain holding tablets, he sees the golden calf and he breaks the tablets. And then what ensues is Moshe's forgiveness plan. Moshe then begins to ask God for forgiveness on behalf of the Jewish people, and the Jewish people begin to ask for forgiveness. And by the time we get to the strange part of the Torah portion that I began with, the illuminate face of Moshe, we've already been through a cycle of of rapprochement. Moshe, in his second journey up to the mountain, asked God, now that you have forgiven the Jewish people, now that we have seen that it is possible to have breakage and then healing, Moshe then asked God, can I know you a little bit more? I really want to know you. Show me your face, God, and God says, no, You will not be able to see me. You can only see the back of my head and God places Moshe into a cleft on the rock and God promises Moshe that I will place my palm of my hand covering that cleft in the rock, that cave. And then I will pass my goodness before you and Moshe, you'll get something. It's not what you wanted, but something. Then Moshe comes down, God sends him back up again to build the second tablets. And in his third descent from the mountain, Moshe holding the newly restored and healed tablets, representing also the restored relationship between God and the Jewish people, that's when Moshe's face goes all neon. The rabbis are completely perplexed by what it could be that would have brought Moshe's face to become so illuminate. Where did Moshe get the light from, the rabbis ask. And a number of years ago I said from the space inside of the tablets. That was one idea, but there are two other ideas. But note for a moment, nobody thinks that Moshe's face is illuminated because he was face to face with God. That would have been the simple answer. I would have, you would have asked me where did he get it from. He borrowed the light from God. But the rabbis have a much more complicated and beautiful Two ideas. Where did Moshe get the light from? Says one rabbi, from the cave where he was placed in the cleft of the rock as God passed before him. Another rabbi said, No, it came from that ink. The remainder of ink from the quill in which Moshe wrote the Torah, there was a little bit of ink left over, and from that ink that was remaining, the leftover ink, that's what gave Moshe his divine rays. So let's unpack those two ideas. What might it mean for me and for you to imagine that Moshe's face, which is of course the fruit and the promise, the reward of having been in the clarity of divine presence, what might that look like? The first thing that it feels like to me is that God caressed Moshe's face with his palm. From the caress of divine hand on Moshe's face, in the aftermath of having been said, been told no, you can have everything you want, Moshe became illuminated. As if God was comforting Moshe for a lost dream. As if God were comforting Moshe in the aftermath of something that he had hoped with all of his heart, something that he had begged for and God said to him, I'm sorry, but in the comfort of God's protective palm, Moshe becomes illuminated. In the protective place of the cave, in the place where God doesn't show us God's face, but we only know God's presence after it has left, in the comfort and in the illumination and in the insights of mistakes made but learned from, we become illuminated. The face of Moshe and each and every one of us has a face that becomes illuminated by the rays that are drawn from the protective caves, as it were, the spaces in which we feel held, known. And even with our foibles and our vulnerabilities, even with all of those things that we bring into that cave, we are protected. The Sakoti et Kapi Alecha ad I will hold you until I pass we become ourselves the fruit of the labor that comes with only seeing the back of God's head, not getting everything we wanted, not knowing how it is to deal with disappointments, but knowing that because we worked with it, we have that reward. But I'm a Kumos kind of guy. I like the second interpretation. Man. Moshe's face is illuminated from the leftover ink from the quill in which he wrote the Torah. That's trippy. (laughs) You mean the thing that at the end of the project that you thought wasn't worth much and you then went back and got it and lifted it again, passed it over your head as Rabbi Mira said, that you said it wasn't just enough to write Torah on parchment, but you were going to become Torah in body. You mean the thing that was at the end of the day after you came home as an essential worker and you had nothing left in the tank but there was a little bit of ink left in the quill that makes the holy and you use it to make light? You mean when you thought you couldn't go on or you thought you had come to the, it was done, it was over? That's it, that little bit of ink. That little bit of ink at the end, you say, nah, what's that for? What are we gonna use that for, that little bit of ink? That leftover ink that's left over for each and every human being to write Torah with their lives with. That kulmus. Moshe's face radiant from these two moments, radiant from having been in the cave and had been protected until he could come out again like all of us here. Moshe writing Torah on his face with the leftover ink. The leftover empowerment. Because it all begins again from there. Moshe can come down and teach Torah because the Torah that he learned was Torah that was needed to go forward after the break. After they had been rock bottom, after there was no way forward, after there was no hope, Moshe's face irradiates. Moshe becomes the one. Who reminds the people, essentially, that it's possible, it's possible to live into disappointment and emerge even stronger than you did the first two times we were up on the mountain. It's possible to make Torah out of nothing at all and for that also to illuminate our faces. It's possible. And not only that, Parashat Ki each and every year promises us Not only that it's possible, but that's what it is. Parashat interrupts the story of the building of the tabernacle to say that it is part and parcel of building sacred community, emerging from brokenness, emerging from hopelessness and despair. It is part and parcel, it is not an interruption, it is the way of it. And Moshe's face would never have illuminated had he not had that no that God said to him and that protection, and had he not also had the courage to continue going when all things looked like it was nothing left in the tank. So guess what? That's now too. That's me and you. That's this face and your face and everyone here. Each and every one of you have been in a cave in some way, shape, or form protected, disappointed, had a million no's thrown at you. And each and every one of you here, illuminate as I can see you are, illuminate as Yonatan was on the day of his sermon, as illuminate as Heather was on the day of her sermon, as illuminate as Rabbi Mira was today when she gave over that light-filled poem. Each and every one of us lifts one another up and says, I think there's a little bit of ink left over in that quill. Wanna go make some Torah with it? Rom and other communities like it today and in the ensuing months will be continuing to acknowledge and venerate, really, the power of each and every one of you in your hearts. How you, how you lived with the last two years and how we continue to live with this going forward. So there's that strange thing about the face of Moshe. Moshe's face was illuminate with the power of the human. What we can do and what we will. Please rise.